Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. Another fun session giving career advice to the WSO interns. Enjoy. So welcome to week number, I think five or six, I can't keep track, but uh, of, of the weekly calls. Really appreciate all of you joining. We'll probably still have some stragglers coming in here in the next few minutes, but uh, I'll try to keep letting them in as they, as they come. Um, other than that, I think just for people, if this is their first week joining, if you want to um, put questions in the chat about the internship or even just uh, raise your hand or unmute yourself, um, feel free to go ahead. I think the group's small enough this week. we got about 20 of us in here, 15, 20 of us. Um, so if there's questions specifically around careers, um, your specific situation, the internship in, um, in particular, even if you haven't started, I'm happy to uh, answer those. So I guess we'll start it off by opening up questions about the internship in particular. Um, anything anyone is facing, any issues, or any questions you have around uh, the process there? Hi, Cigar. Welcome. Anybody have questions or everyone feels like they've gotten a good start? Just a reminder at the top of the, at the intern group um, on the Slack, there is an internship guide that has like step-by-step -step guidelines in terms of how to start and in terms of all the things you need to do with hub staff, tracking your hours, all that good stuff. Uh, Anish has a question, so I'm going to unmute you. Anish, go ahead. Hi. Hello. Uh, am I audible? Yep. We can hear you. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh... I'm basically gonna start my internship on 15th of June. Okay. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you if there's something, some some prerequisites before I start the internship. Yeah, there's a set of things you should uh, do prior to starting, but um, usually about two days before, we'll send it, send you a reminder email, and you can go in. And there's, in, are you a part of the Slack group right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. So if you go there. Everything you need is right at, pinned at the top of the group. So there's an internship guide that has a step-by-step -step process of the things you need to do to get started. So it's like step one, you know, getting the hub staff downloaded, watching the video in terms of how to do it. And that's usually a good place to start um, to get your feet under you. So you kind of know even how to begin because I know it's it can be a little confusing the first time you start in, on your first talk. Yeah, so nothing except for the internship guide, right? Nothing except for that. Yeah. And there's submission checklists and stuff like that, but you can start with the internship guide and I'll kind of, that'll get you to a good place. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And that's it. Yeah. And we'll send you an email a couple of days prior to, to your start date. Uh, 
Anshal, question. I hope I'm saying. Uh, hello, Patrick. Hi, how are you? Fine. Okay, so I wanted to ask, like, if I have few topics which is not mentioned in the WSO Tracker project, so how do I add those topics? So we'd like uh, you to stick with the topics that are there initially. If you do have ideas for topics to add, you would just uh, message Nabil. Uh, Nabil was out this week, so it's a little harder. But if you have ideas for new topics, we're open to that. Um, but we'd like to get those just approved first before we do that, because the risk being we don't want you writing on a topic that's very similar to one that's already kind of set um, or one that's in there. If it's completely new or different or something that we don't have a lot of um, stuff on, we'll, we'll probably say yes um, if it's interesting. Okay, so should I email Nabil? Yeah, you can email Nabil or just send him a Slack. Uh, he probably won't get back to you till next week, though, because um, he's off on vacation. So um, if you want to start on one that's there and then send him a Slack, you know, send him a Slack message just saying, hey, I'm really interested in writing about, you know, these three topics or these two topics, that's totally fine. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Any other questions about the internship in general? Then we can get to the fun stuff, which is the more career oriented questions, which I hope there's, I hope there's some, we had a fun discussion last week um, about, you know, MBA versus MSF versus um, all this stuff. Um, Viomesh is on here. Viomesh uh, works, uh, works with WSO full time now. Viomesh, you're also welcome to ask questions <laughs> if you have any. I wanted to shoot a quick reminder about the Hubstaff activity levels. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a yeah, good point. Um, in terms of some people have expressed concern over the hub staff activity levels. This is not like the primary thing we're looking at at all. It's just a way to make sure that um, that there is some activity there. And what's going to matter more is if you're engaged in terms of like putting out content, asking questions, and and articles and the quality of the articles. So we don't want people rushing through and just uh, putting out whatever comes through. We um, whatever comes to their mind, we want them to you to properly research the topics so that um, when you are starting to write finally, there's a good outline there, you have the header tags placed and the quality is is high so that we there's there's less kind of back and forth with the editors. So I think um, in that sense, the activity level is just just a way for us to make sure there's some activity going on there that you know there's no like set level you need to be at. Um, it's just a question of like, if it's super, super low and there's like hours and hours going by, um, then that would be a concern, but that shouldn't be an issue, even if you're researching and reading um, online about a topic. So I think there was some concern over that. I know um, when people initially see hub staff or start out the first times, it can be a little bit, um, for some people, it can be a little bit like, oh, I don't, what does this mean? What are the expectations? I think uh, Nabil last week or the week prior said, that you know, as long as there's a decent cadence of content coming out, and that could be you know one article anywhere between you know if it's a shorter one, probably two to three hours. If it's a longer one, it could be upwards of seven hours. And we're not going to say, oh my gosh, that took too long. If it's if it's higher quality and you did a lot of research and it's a longer form article, we don't have a problem with that. Welcome Felix. Welcome Felix. Welcome Christian. Um, so yeah, any other questions about our VMS? Thanks for the reminder. Anything else that I think I needed to address? No, I think I saw another hand up. I wasn't sure. Did I miss it? I think we can also let them know that they need to use the desktop app because I think a few might be confused. 
Yes. Uh, if for hub staff in terms of um, tracking your hours, so you get credit for them and you get all the the rewards along, uh, alongside it. Make sure you're using the staff desktop app for that, um, not the mobile app or the browser app. Um, please use the desktop one. Um, that's that keeps everybody on the same thing. We get the same data coming in, so we can track it. So we can track it better. So that's that's it. Welcome, Alvin. Welcome. I think it's uh, Reham. Any question? Any other questions around the internship? Have you mentioned anything else you think I should cover? I think uh, everything else is covered in the internship guide, and uh, there's no other concerns that anyone has expressed. Okay, great. So if there's anything else, uh, we got about 20 of us now. So I'll just open it up. You can put a question in the chat, anything specific around, you know, I could spend another 20 minutes or more here with, with all of you. Um, answering questions about specific careers, specific degrees, specific uh, interview preparation, networking, uh, what what have you? Yeah, Liam, go ahead. Yeah, so um, I guess the first part is like a little bit of an ad, or like to kind of tell other interns. And the second part will be a question. But um, I had an interview this morning, like a first round interview at a middle market bank for um, investment bank and summer analyst role, um, and basically like. A lot of like the interview was spent talking about what I do at Wall Street Oasis. So I just figured I'd let other interns know that like this is really like valuable to have. Like I would say like 20 to 30 percent of the interview was literally just talking about what I do here. Um, and the second question, this is just to Patrick, um, would be I think I did well in this. It was on Zoom, the first round interview, where I think I'll be brought in for a super day. That's kind of what I was getting from the interviewer. So I guess kind of had um, obviously like. I have an idea of how to prepare for the technical and behavioral like questions, but just kind of, you can kind of go over like interview adequate, especially for like a super day, like kind of like, what do you wear? Like, how would you greet, like introduce yourself? Like, I don't know, just kind of like your advice for like interview adequate. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, I'm just changing my name here on the thing. So people know that I'm the, my name's Patrick, just uh, yeah, <laughs> chief monkey here. Um, so yeah, good question. First off. Yeah. Thanks for for calling that out people we've heard from interns in the past that entire interviews have been about the wall street Oasis experience and i'll tell you why that often happens it's because it's different it's because they want to know like oh what's the they know wall street Oasis from the community so they're curious so that's the good news is you can talk about like the work you did you can talk about the financial modeling courses you took you can talk so it really makes it like a more fun friendly uh, discussion rather than drilling you on technicals um so hopefully that's that'll help Liam. Hopefully the rest of the people here will will experience the same thing you did. Um, in terms of interview etiquette, um, I would be business formal. So you sorry, there was like a loud motorcycle here when you were saying something about like the middle market bank. It was a first round at what what bank? Um, it was like along the lines of like RBC and BMO. If you can. okay, yep. So so good banks. So I think. Um, it's going to be pretty down the fairway. So um, you'll probably want to, in terms of like interview etiquette, definitely I'd say business formal, you know, wear a tie, um, be clean shaven. Don't be like me with a white beard. <laughs> um, you can have a beard, but you know, probably better just to play it safe, be conservative, um, be clean, you know, show up really early. Um, are, are you close to where you'll be interviewed? Yeah. Um, my school's, it's my school's like 40 minutes away on the subway. You may want to do that uh, trip once mm -hmm. prior just to get a sense of like where you can go. 
I'd yeah. arrive like a good hour or, or hour and a half prior to um, thing. That doesn't mean check in, but get right next to where you need to be. Uh, you know, go to a coffee shop and study your your resume and your materials and your answers. Yeah. Prior, um, just so you, there's no nothing could happen. There can't be something in the subway breaks the bus you know nothing it's you know if that happens you're ready and you can get an uber or you can do whatever and you're not rushed and stressed about that you yeah. want to be in a good spot a calm you know complex um when you're when you're going in so in terms of etiquette do you mean like how to come into the room and stuff like that yeah just because i've really never had like an in-person interview before i've only had zoom interviews yeah so i think just a good strong handshake eye contact when you first meet people, great to meet you. Um, thanks so much for the opportunity. You know, kind of like standard. You know, don't get don't give them flimsy handshake. Give them a strong hand handshake and look them in the eyes. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of um, knowing if you're doing anything odd is important. So I think actually record. When is the when is the super day? Um, if I were to hear, if I were to get into the super day, like invited to it, it would be two weeks from now. So uh, yeah, you have time. So what I would do is. Uh, record yourself. So oh, yeah. get on a Zoom chat and hit record and literally just start, pretend like somebody just gave you, go through the interview course from the IB interview course on WSO, literally just start going through the basic questions and answering them. Oh, yeah. Pretend okay. like you're talking to somebody or even better get somebody on there to like ask them to you. So you feel like it's a little bit more face-to-face. -face. Record yourself, record your whole upper body um, to see what you're doing with your hands. Mm -hmm. Um, see if there's any weird, if you're doing weird things with like your head or your little things like that, just so you can be aware of it. Are you saying, you know, um, you know, um, you start picking up on patterns like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I just said, um, see, so if you start, <laughs> if you start picking up on uh, little cues you're doing in terms of uh, filler words, it's really helpful to, to hear it, hear the recording back and say, where could I have tightened that up? Where could that have been better? Um, and that's really important for how you're mapping your behavioral and fit questions. So a lot of people will focus on the technical questions because they're nervous about it. But what can make or break you um, in the interview is really the standards, like why do you want to be in investment banking? So, um, and knowing that these behavioral questions, it's a lot more about what examples you're pulling in rather than a generic because i can learn a lot from smart people <laughs> right um which is fine the, the answer is good but um i think being more specific around like tell me about a time when you struggled with leadership or you disagreed with leadership what did you do tell me about a time when you had a conflict with a group what did you do uh, tell me about a time when so like these are like tough questions but so what you need to have in the next two weeks you need to make sure that you have specific stories from your past, from this internship, from other internships, from schoolwork that you can map to those questions. Okay. So as soon as they start asking you one of these like weird behavioral questions of like, what would you do in a, you know, what would you do specifically if you disagreed with a uh, superior, you didn't agree with somebody, you, you are already in your head thinking, I'm gonna bring in this story. Or I'm gonna bring in this example. Okay. So it's not a, so, if you have to, you can give the generic answer if you don't have a story that can map, but almost always you want to point to a story where you had that experience and how you dealt with it um, and why you think um, it would be a skill you developed that you feel like is, is relevant to the, to the position and um, can help you. So I think that's probably the best bet is actually doing those mocks, mock interviews, because it's just going to, 
I know it's a pain, but sitting there and doing like, let's say in the next two weeks, doing five mock interviews, your sixth time is going to be your best time. Mm -hmm. Your sixth time doing the, answering the question is almost guaranteed going to be your best time. So like, if this is a really important job and really important interview for you, don't you, shouldn't you put in those five hours in the next two weeks? Yeah. Especially because it's my last week. WSO. So yeah, that's it. That's it, man. Like this is, this is it. This is what the whole reason you did this internship. (laughs) So like go in with, uh, going with the, like really these next two weeks. Um, and if you want to, if you want to like send me through like what your, what your stories are and the examples you're using, I can kind of give a a thumbs up, thumbs down on them over email. Um, be like, Hey, here are the 10 stories I'm pulling for showing leadership, showing, you know, I can work long hours showing all this stuff. Yeah. So like when they ask, what makes you think you can do this? You know what the hours are like, right? Um, if they ask you a question like that, or like, what makes you think like you can handle these hours? You don't say like, I'm a really hard worker. I've always been a really hard worker. You say, well, you know, just as an example, last semester, I had a full-time this, I did an internship. I did this. I worked, I supported myself through that. That's what you want to do. You want to be able to list those, those things out rather than it being, I'm a hard worker and I'm going to outwork everyone. Yeah. Show them, don't tell them. Okay. And that you always want to do that. And always at the end, you tie back about how this skill set feels, makes you feel like you're really prepared for this, this position and you understand what you're getting into. Yeah. And no, I also use the WSO um, interview guide and that's helped a lot too. Yeah. So just really study that um, in terms of map, but don't like the example answers in there. Don't just say the same. You obviously have to map it to your oh, own. Yeah, yeah. You have to map it to your own experiences. Mm-hmm. The technicals, you can pretty much stick with on that, but understand the concepts about like the flowing of the through the three statements, like what happens if depreciation goes up $10. Yeah. You got to know yeah. that. You got to know that one. That's very common. You got you to gotta understand working capital. If AR goes up 10 days, what's going on? You know what I mean? That type of stuff. Um, let's get to some other people here. Emmett, I think, has had his hand up for a while. Emmett, you want to shoot your question? Hi, Patrick. How hey, are you? I'm doing okay. Um, thanks for your advice last week. I managed to get one offer, so really grateful for your help. Oh, awesome. I can't even remember. What did we talk about? <laughs> um, I, think it was, I think it was just kind of advice about, um, you know, if I get two offers, how should I approach it, should I say? Oh, yes, I remember now. Yes, yes. Um, yes, yeah, so I got one. Haven't heard from the rest. Um, I'm not too optimistic, but look, I got one that can start in June, so I'm really happy about that. Thanks for your help anyway. Um, my question was regarding the regarding the internship that we're doing now. Um, I think you'd agree that when you know the bullet points that you put down under the experience that you list on your CV, it's you know, it's pretty good advice to put down metrics, um, you know, stuff that can measure your in, the impact that you had on the you know, in the role that you had. Um, so would you have any advice on which, what kind of numbers and metrics we could use um, to, for this internship? You know, obviously the number of articles could be one example, but maybe um, page hits, um, you know, increase in viewership, et cetera, et cetera. Are there yeah, any so sort I, of metrics I, there that we could use? Yes, absolutely. I put in a link to the chat right now that has um, an example of how to put it on your CV. And in there, I quantify, say, I wrote 50,000 plus words across 20 articles on detailed financial, blah, blah, blah. And in there, I say, um, research appropriate subtitles, develop examples to help with search engine optimization, resulting in a 30% month-over-month growth to the new resources section of the site. 
over 200 hours of self-study. So there's a lot of quantification in those bullets um, that I think looks really strong. So I have some stuff in there. We have seen uh, significant growth in the resource section, which are where these, these articles are going. So you can use that as part of, you know, it wasn't all you, obviously it's the full team, but you can use that as, uh, as a specific for um, showing numbers. Okay. And would you include maybe, you know, receives training from Wall Street Oasis on financial modeling? Oh yeah, that's all in there. I just sent a link in the chat. It has all that there. You should absolutely say that. Okay. Is this, this in the Slack chat, is this? Yep. It's at the top of the Slack chat, but I also just posted it into the chat of the, um, the group here for people. Okay. I don't think I can see it, but look, I'll look in the Slack. Um, thanks for your help there. Yeah, no worries. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's in the Slack, right? Yeah, it's at the top. It's called WSO Internship CV Example. It's key. I would I would do something very close to that. The only difference is if you want to make it just the top two bullets, and even make the financial modeling and valuation courses its own. Like if you need to fill up more space, you could take that and put it under um, like skills, a skills section near the bottom as like, uh, or even education if you really wanted to be more aggressive in terms of highlighting your financial modeling and valuation skills. I would recommend for somebody who's like a liberal arts major potentially to do that, to really, like if you're a history major or something like that, and you really want to show finance on your resume, so you have a shot at getting more interviews, that's a good way to do it. Perfect. Thanks very much. Yeah, no worries. Um, let's see who else had their hand up. Uh, Alvin, you want to? I like the yeah. wall. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, it's my um, it's my favorite animal. Like it, I it represents me in kind of. Yeah. Oh, okay. So first of oh, all, so I would you'll know what to say. answer when they ask you in the in the interview. Um, what animal would you be if uh, you're going to say wolf? Yeah, exactly, wolf. They're going to ask yeah. you why right after, but uh, you, you don't have to answer that now. But go ahead. Uh, thank you for having me here. Actually, this is my first uh, meetup call, and uh, I'll be starting my internship actually on the 5th of May, because this week I just finished with my uh, exams. Congrats. So, yeah, I'm a third-year finance student, and I'll be graduating next year. So I have uh, three, question, three questions. So my first question is uh, for this internship. I wanted to know, uh, like, whenever we are writing an article, um, which uh, from which uh, resource uh, should we like take uh, our um, in order to write the articles? From which uh, resource should we um, like uh, do some research? Yeah, Google and primarily Google. You should be looking at what what other articles on the topics are ranking at the top. So if you look in the top of the um, the top of the Slack group that you're in. The internship guide, we actually have a video going through exactly how to do the research. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like we, have, we even have a video where we do an example. And Nabil and I go through it and we ask questions like, okay, what will we do next? What's the next header? What's the next section? How do we build out this outline before we even start writing? So I would watch that because it's going to make, make things much clearer. All right. So like given like uh, for me in my course, I did some modules on financial markets and financial like uh, MNA, so I can also use some of my knowledge, right? Like whenever I'm, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's why we have a lot of finance uh, majors, yeah. internship and people and accounting major, you know, accounting majors who can go in and help us with the accounting terms and, and topics and stuff like that. So yeah, for sure. You could de definitely use your knowledge 
Um, what I would suggest though, is don't just lean on your knowledge because it's not about uh, like academic writing or knowledge per se. It's also about how you're structuring the article and how you're structuring things such that a, a visitor finds it easy to follow. So like, you know, breaking it down, showing examples. So like, I think the example in the, uh, at the top of the internship is cash conversions, cash conversion cycle. So it's not just like what the, the definition of the cash conversion cycle is like, here's an example. Here's another example, you know, stuff like that. All right. Okay. So my second question is, um, since uh, after graduation, I'm planning to uh, work for one or two years, after which I would, I would like to do a master's in finance since I'm planning to get into investment banking in the top firms. So I wanted to know if doing an MSc is a good option or should I do a CFA or keep working? If you're looking for investment banking, I would push you towards master's in finance and not the CFA. If you're looking to be in the markets, meaning hedge fund, asset management, equity research, then I would push you to the CFA. So it really depends what you're trying to, if you're trying to do mergers and acquisitions, valuation type work, the CFA isn't where you want to go or spend your time. Okay. Like for me personally, uh, I'm, I'm very passionate about like M&A investment banking. Like then, then don't do the CFA, do the masters, do the masters in finance, or even better, try to break into an investment bank prior a small boutique investment bank, get that experience, experience it before deciding to go spend 50,000 pounds on a master's. All right. So like, let's say I'm graduating. I don't know. I assume, I don't know where you are, but you know, a lot of people, you know, head to London for like LSE or they go. Yeah. Same, same. Even I'm thinking to uh, go to London, like uh, Imperial. I was thinking Imperial Business School maybe because I'd be graduating in Australia. Imperial, so, yeah. Yep. Since I'll be graduating in 2023, uh, maybe I could work for one and a half year and then uh, go for my master's in like end of 2025 like after getting like one two year experience so, yeah are you you're in australia you said yeah 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 i mean can you get a position as an you don't think it's possible for you to get a position as an analyst or an intern at a small boutique bank uh, locally yeah is that possible Oh yeah, like we have uh, two. Like when you said work work one to two years, I get the sense that you you're aiming for jobs that are not banking for some reason. I don't know. Like uh, I'm thinking to work, let's say, like a finance analyst or junior uh, equity research analyst, since we will be yeah. getting two year post study work, right? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I know those are relevant, but why wouldn't you apply for analyst programs coming out of uni as well? Or are you like? investment banking analyst roles. So you're going to apply for those too, I assume. Okay. So if I'm planning to get into uh, investment banks, so right after graduation, you'd suggest me to uh, apply for investment roles instead of uh, financial analysts. So that's what you mean? No, I mean, apply, apply for investment banking analyst roles. Okay. So okay. Finance analyst, usually, maybe it's different in Australia, but finance analyst, I usually think of like corporate finance type work. Um, but if you can work for an investment bank, like a Macquarie, Macquarie, I don't know how to say it, um, but, um, they have a big office there. Right. Um, and in, in Sydney, I believe, but like, yeah, in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. So like that should be your target for sure. Okay. Like you should be pounding down the door, networking like a maniac to try and get an interview there for the, the analyst roles. It might be a little too late because you're a third year. Um, yeah, I'm but there may be small banks in Sydney and Melbourne 
that are, you know, just two MDs or two partners and an associate, and they may want an analyst and you say, Hey, I'll work for, I'll work for very cheap. Cause I just want to get the experience. You work for there for a year or two, then you start. And during that time, you're, you're networking with people at Macquarie and you keep telling them, Hey, I'm available. If you guys ever need me, I'm available. Boom. You lateral after a year there into, into the big bank. <clears throat> you don't need a master's in finance. Suddenly you just saved yourself, you know, 50,000 pounds. Okay. Okay. You're in, you're in investment banking. You're doing what you want to do. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't go there for optionality value later. It doesn't mean you can't still go because maybe you'll start doing investment banking. You'll get promoted straight to associate after three years because you're really good. And then suddenly you're saying, Hey, wait a second, this isn't for me. Then that's when, that's when I feel like, um, business school and MBA and MSF is actually a nice reset. Mm, or but go so after what it. you want to do now, now. Yeah. All right. Thank you and for if you, your. If you strike uh, out, if you strike out all the other jobs that you said, you should be applying for those as well. Because equity research, valuation analyst, working at a big four under transaction advisory services, these are all great related careers and roles that can lead to where you want to go. Mm. Okay. You get those transaction okay. advisory services TAS groups at the big four. You have you heard of those? Um. I was looking uh, for uh, JP Morgan and uh, Goldman Sachs. What were you going to do for them, though? I don't know. I was just uh, trying to look a bit on uh, the like positions, like some of the requirements. I was just doing a small research. Yeah, but, so what uh, I would always say is go to a smaller name where the work is more relevant to where you want to be rather than just chasing the name early on. So go get valuation work at a big four, which is respected. Go get, um, you know, it has a name, but it's not like, like a KPMG. People are be like, oh, it's KPMG. But, you know, if you're doing valuation work and you're working at transaction advisory services, guess who the banks look to when suddenly their, their two analysts leave? And they're like, <laughs> a certain group leaves and they're like, oh, we need to hire an analyst now. Like, and then yeah. like, where, where do they pull? They pull straight from that group. Okay, okay. It is. So, and then they're going to know you because you're going to be uh, having read the networking course and you'll be already having talked to them, letting them know that you're interested. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to know. And so like, because jobs aren't posted. Okay. People need to realize on this group and in general, 90% of the jobs are never promoted. They're never posted. So like, you're not going to, you can't be like scouring their site, looking at the jobs and like dropping your resume, thinking you're going to get a job. That's the worst way to go about getting a job. It's, it's, who, who do you have a relationship? Do you know any analysts there? Do you, are you graduating with anybody who actually gets a job at uh, McCary or at, at KPMG or at P, PWC or wherever? Are you staying in touch with them? Are you being helpful to them? Yeah. Right? I feel like I'm talking to a wolf, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Alvin. Yeah. Okay, thank you for the information. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Let me see the chat. I haven't answered any chat questions. Well, there's a lot. Okay. Uh, Raghav, thanks for the kind words. Um, Chris said, hey, oh yeah, this is a private message. Yeah, you can just approach Victor from Fidelity. Just yeah, say you know, say you, you're an intern for us. If he doesn't, if he doesn't help you out, I'll kill him. So just tell, uh, tell me if he doesn't respond to you. <laughs> um, just kidding. Um, 
Okay, here we go. Ahmed asked an interesting question. What do you think is better to a financial analyst position, a CFA or a CPA? Most corporations prefer CPAs over CFAs in such positions. Um, CPA, so CFA is, again, like I mentioned before, it's really more if you're going to be working in the markets. So like hedge fund asset management. So like anything around the stock market, the bond market, options, trading, stuff like that is very well respected there. If you're working in like, a financial division within a company. Yes, the CPA and accountant, it, it, it tends to be a little bit more valued. Um, but CPA is often also overkill, as is the CFA for like front office investment banking roles. It's a huge time commitment. So it just depends on like where you want to go, Ahmed. Like, I don't know, like financial analyst position, it can mean like 50 different things. So it depends what you mean by financial analyst position. Um, you know, if it's at a corporate at a Fortune 500, it's different. And there's, um, there's like rotation programs. A lot of like these large companies, like uh, FP&A roles. Um, what do they call it? Corporate development, uh, FLDP, financial leadership development programs, are a great place to to be. They give you a taste of like all the different divisions of the company. Um, some of them are very well respected. Um, so Ahmed, I need more a little bit more info in terms of like the question because it kind of just depends what you're going after. CPA. Obviously, or CPA way, way better for like if you want to do something in tax, audit, accounting, uh, especially for the big four, they love the CPAs. So it's it's probably the safer of the two degrees, but it's a huge investment time. So kind of tough because you got to know what you want to do in like five, 10 years. Um, can someone remove our assigned tag from the topic tracker and write that topic? It is, is it possible? Uh, so I'm not sure I understand the question. Are you saying, can someone change the, if you've already assigned it to yourself? I don't think most people, um, Nabil should be the only one who can do that, but I'm not sure I understand the question if you want to clarify it in the chat. Uh, Tanay asked an interesting question. What do you think is the best way to break into consulting? Um, just like any job, the best way to break into any job um, is really just knowing the right people and getting into the right programs and hearing about jobs that aren't marketed yeah the best the easiest easier than that in terms of like not having to talk to people it's going to a top target school and being on campus recruiting so that you know you get high grades you you study your case uh consulting case interview prep really well we have a consulting case interview prep course you can get for free if you you know with the hours you put in this internship if you study that you'll be ready for like how to structure your cases your thinking your your consulting math so you could do um you can do all that prep, but really to get the interviews at like a McKinsey, Bain, BCG, even Oliver Wyman, um, these other top consulting firms, you need to you need to be networking, you need to be talking with people. Um, of course, there are like cultural differences depending on what country you're in um, and how how networking is looked upon. But at least here in the U.S., you can be pretty aggressive and get a lot more opportunities if you're building out that network. Um, happy to answer more specific questions tonight if you have if you have them. Oh, let's see here. Macquarie, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I always, I always like think of it in five different ways. So I've heard it so many different ways. Ahmed, Ahmed said more in the trade analyst positions. Trade analyst positions, like at a bank, you mean? So like you're settling trades and stuff. Similar to BNP, Paribas. Uh huh. So like, what's the role financial analyst, but like, what is, what's the job description? 
So like uh, managing clients portfolio, stock market analysis, uh, and this type of uh, position. CFA, CFA for that. That Yeah, CFA for that all day. Is that what the question was? CPA or CFA? Yeah. Yeah, I would say CFA would be looked on more highly there because it's giving you a, a really nice view of the whole markets. And you're going to understand options. You're going to understand trading. You're going to understand portfolio diversification. You're going to understand all that stuff that's really important, especially speaking to clients. Yeah. Especially if you want to move up. They won't let you speak to clients when you start. <laughs> but yeah. as you, if you want to move up, you're going to need to do that. And uh, I have one more question. So basically, I'm based in Canada, Montreal. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, what do you think is better, Bay Street or New York, if it's like Toronto or New York as a position? Where to start? Where to start New York. Okay. For sure, if you can get it, right? But like, you know, I I think the visas from Canada aren't as hard. Yeah. Um, So if you can get it, absolutely go for New York, but getting a job in Toronto is not easy either. Yeah. That's my issue. Like I, I'm trying to apply for a lot of positions, but like they always look at a lot of experience. In a way, like they want you to be a new graduate, but like you have. Let's yeah, say. Yeah, so tell me your background, and I can give you more specific. Okay, so when, did, when my, did you graduate? Uh, finance, banking, and finance. My undergrad is a BBA, and I have a graduate diploma, uh, business administration, focus management. So it's in like M1 in the French system as a master's one. And uh, I have my investment funds Canada, which lets me uh, deal with mutual funds and in any bank or financial institution. And I was planning on taking like, I have my CFA level one exam in August. So, and you want to get into like uh, private wealth management or asset management for clients in the banks? That's the goal? Uh, Basically, yeah, like any trade analyst position. So um, the CFA, I think, is a good step. All the other stuff, it's just confusing to the HR people and all that stuff. So like, you're not going to get anywhere because they, they have a certain person they want coming out of undergrad with a set box. You're, you're outside that box. Yeah. Do you understand? Like, they're not even they're like, what? This guy's graduated a long time ago. He has this master's, but they don't know where to put you. Yeah. So they just throw your resume away. Anyway, yeah. So like, that's what's going to keep happening. So how do you get around that? I'm trying, like, let's say to minimize my experience, everything on LinkedIn, just keeping it towards the job description that I'm applying for in a position. But are you applying directly? That's good. But are you applying directly just through LinkedIn and stuff like that and online? No, I'm connecting with the, the one who good. added the post at first. Good. Then they, connect, like, without me filling the application, they tell me that we're going to do an interview with you. Great. But, like, I always pass the first one, but the second one is the most, like, they start telling me that... Like here in Montreal, they tell me that you don't speak French. It's a reason why you can't continue. So why don't you go to Toronto? Because uh, I finished this summer my degree, the master's. So after I finish it, I'm going back because I'm an Ontario resident. So I was born in Ottawa. You can just say, you can just say, um, so, so start applying for jobs in Toronto, I think is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Start applying for jobs in Toronto and New York. You know, don't, 
don't limit yourself to just just because you're there you know yeah yeah i think that's the that's the key i think you're doing smart things you're not just like mass applying yeah to like everything you're you're being targeted um if you're getting past the first round that's good but like if you know you don't speak french you're going to be kind of shit out of luck if that's a requirement you're going to be shit out of luck in the yeah like in quebec it's mandatory if you don't speak french you can't work yeah so you should just be forget montreal yeah i'm just like waiting until i finish this summer my degree and that's it i wouldn't wait i'd start applying now because it's soon like you know you don't want to be coming end of your degree and you have no job yeah of course so i would be applying now to places in toronto i'd be doing you know 10 to 20 applicant yeah 10 to 20 applications but with the with the short message be like i just applied for this role i'd love to chat over phone you know i'd love to yeah blah blah blah. doing kind of what you're doing with the reducing your linkedin so it's a little bit more tailored yeah and i also like used to do the coffee interview like let's go to the coffee shop if you can speak and so uh, it used to work but like uh, not everyone is like open to such such a thing no no way yeah if you can get one out of you know 30 people they go meet coffee that's good that's a good ratio. That's a good ratio. Yeah. It was a bit hard at first, but like now I'm a bit used to that. But like I'm always trying to book connections, breaking. Uh, I don't want to like. Conne- how many connections do you have on uh, LinkedIn? I'm checking, so you better not lie to me. Okay. I have like 72. <laughs> uh, my LinkedIn account is like I created, I think, five months ago. I see you. Yeah. Okay. So way too narrow. You should have over 500 connections by next week. I'm try- I'm trying, but like, uh, I don't no, want to. No, 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 Like, it literally takes 30 seconds, Ahmed. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I, I don't want to add any any person that, like, a bit, is a bit okay. out of the field. I'm trying to add, I'm, go- I'm going to make it, like, tailored toward only finance professionals. Yeah, but what's stopping you from running a search, seeing everybody in Toronto that's in private wealth management, asset management, whatever and adding them be like hey da, 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 i'd love to um i see that you work in toronto and da, 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 i'm looking to, to make the move in a few months when i once i graduate with my master's i'd love to chat at some point in the yeah. future just starting to add, get those connections you could send out 100 of those messages probably 10 to 15 of them will accept yeah l- lately i've been a bit lazy about this uh, specific thing on linkedin because uh, well you have this you have this internship you have school yeah, and I also have another job, so with the university. Yeah. So it's a bit like my, I'm my I have a full schedule. So. Yeah. So I hate to say it, but that takes priority over. Yeah, of basically course. everything. Yeah, I'm I'm trying like I I I added let's say like next year I'm gonna be in the field. I I will have secure a job. Yeah, but so like my whole point is you know. 74 connections over four to five months like you could just get 74 connections a day it, it, not not a day that's not true because there's linkedin will stop you after like 100 ish to 150 requests a day yeah um, but you could just send about six seven hundred of uh, connection requests uh, per week of which you'll probably get a hundred yeah in a week i'm gonna start like doing that yeah i need yeah, to do- read the networking course once you can um from the from the site like this is the most important thing. It's the most important skill. People downplay it. They hate networking, but it's like, it's really, that's what matters because then you're going to hear about jobs that don't aren't posted. 
And suddenly like, you're just going to be able to get more phone calls. You're going to get more coffee chats and like, you speak well, you're, there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, of course. So like nothing to be afraid of. It's just a question of just putting in the time, like literally just carve out 30 minutes a day. And that's yeah, all I should do that. Yeah. It's like anything, man. It's like with the work you put in the work, it'll, the dividends will come, but that's, yeah. that's an important place to put, put, uh, put work in because, you know, with graduation in three months or however many months it is, um, you want to have that network established, not when you're unemployed yeah. uh, or you're unemployed. Yeah. The, the good thing about the degree that I'm doing now is that it, let's, let's say it helps me avoid the overqualification because not a lot of people consider it as a master's, but they consider it as a graduate study. Oh, so it's, it's seen as a more junior credential. Yes, in a way. That's why like, I got multiple offers uh, for a master's and I got accepted in like, good business schools in Canada. But like, I, prefer, I prefer to choose this one because it gives me, let's say, a bit of uh, knowledge in the Canadian market, but like, it doesn't overqualify me. Yeah, no, it's smart. It's really smart. Now you just need to now you just need to get out of your own head and start talking to more people. You started yeah. doing it, it sounds like, but then you kind of like got busy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. 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 Just make sure it's priority because that's the thing that'll really pay dividends and most likely to get you interviews in Toronto, where you don't need to know French. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you a lot. Good luck, man. Keep keep us updated. I'm curious where you end up. Uh, some people still straggling in here. Hey, Parth. Hey, Manas. Um, yeah, Liam says, use the free month of LinkedIn Premium. Good advice, Liam. Um, who has her hand up? Felix, you've had your hand up for a while. How are you? Where, where in the world are, are you, Felix? Hi there. Hi. Nice to meet you, properly. Nice to meet uh, you. I'm in London at the moment, actually. Looks I'm, like San Francisco uh, behind you. You look like you're close to me. Yeah, yeah, I put that <laughs> filter on. <laughs> Yeah, no, I uh, am not starting yet with you guys till I get back home to Australia. But I uh, just wanted to jump in and say hello. And I like this. It's a good little coaching session from you. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, if you have any questions once you start or, or uh, for personal career stuff, I'm happy. I'm happy to answer it. I expect in the summer, these are going to be much larger groups, probably closer to 40 to 50. But now it's kind of nice. It's a little bit more in intimate with, you know, 20 to 30 people. Yeah, and I just thought I'd... um mentioned I, I, I'm uh, interning right now at a small uh, M&A firm in London in Mayfair. And I just wanted to second your comment before about um, looking at the smaller firms as well, because I've been able to already in just the first couple of weeks be exposed to so much and do so much because it's a smaller place, right? So they'll actually get you to do a lot. Um, so right now I've been working on a deal because we're mostly sell side. So we're already working on a deal, essentially listing up potential acquirers um, and then trade com comparables um, with recent deals, et cetera. So yeah, it's you're, a, you're building the strongest resume. Yeah. Just, just by, it doesn't, the name on the resume is a lot less important than people think it's the skills you're building. So, yeah. 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 I just wanted to highlight that because I thought what you said was exactly right there. Yeah. Appreciate that. And, um, and uh, in the interview as well, they, they just loved when you talk about what you learned from the experience. Uh, I think Liam was chatting before about some stuff. That's what I found really helped is whenever I mentioned an issue, even if it was failing, as long as I mentioned what I learned out of it, they loved that. It tells the time you failed or fell on your face or, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
They love that. For sure. Um, yeah, not giving a uh, not giving a fake failure. Actually, talk about a time when you did fail. It's good. Um, great, thank you, Felix. Great to meet you. Um, I think the other thing I'll say about that is interesting because we had an we had an intern. I don't think he's on here. Um, who recently went through the program and he was emailing me, and he was saying he's transferring from community college and when should he be applying to the bulge bracket banks? And I just like my brain like almost exploded, thinking like what is this obsession with bulge bracket banks? Like maybe it's wall street oasis. Everyone has like this group of like, I need to make it to a bulge bracket bank. Like, no, no, no. There's elite boutiques out there. There's very strong middle markets. Sometimes they pay more and have better work-life balance than the, the bulge bracket banks. So it's, it's, you don't need to be at a bulge bracket bank. Like it's not going to define who you are. There's great careers. And by the way, that bulge bracket bank will be begging you to come work if you get strong experience at a middle market or a boutique bank in a few years, because a lot of people who start to bulge bracket, they can't, they don't last. They want to get out. Do you know the demand at the analyst, experienced analyst to associate level? It is through the roof. It is through the roof. It, like banks can't hold on to their analysts because they're working in 90 to 110 hours a week. So if anyone wants that, if you actually want that after working at a middle market bank and you want to ups, upscale the name or the brand on your resume, you'll most likely have that opportunity to do so if you're good, right? If you're good at the work, at, at the fun, at the um, middle market or the boutique and you're doing real deals, you're getting experience like Felix, you're spreading comps, you're doing all the things that the analysts have to do. They're desperate for bodies. So I'll say like the worst thing you can do is miss entire recruiting sessions because you're so, uh, you don't understand where, where you stand in the hierarchy and you think incorrectly that you have actually a shot at these bulge bracket banks. Um, no offense to the intern, but he's, he's transferring from a community college to a four-year institution. He's not even talking about going to like a, um, a target school. And I'm like, what do you mean? You should be applying to every single bank transaction by big four, and you should be ecstatic if you get a big four transaction advisory services role. Ecstatic because you're on the track now. Yet, if you if you apply only to bulge bracket investment banking jobs, number one, you probably won't even get an interview. If you maybe get one or two, you're probably just going to get blown out because it's super hard and competitive. Um, they'll be like, what are you doing here? Why would I hire you over the kid with a 4.0? Kids with 4.0s from Harvard, Yale, Princeton, uh, London School of Economics, they get rejected every single day from these places. So like, people are delusional thinking they can get into these bulge bracket banks like with coming from a no-name school or from... Like a lot of you have this huge uphill battle coming with visa issues. Like it's a nightmare. So like, just be realistic, you know, be super hardworking, be realistic, get the right experience on your CV. And then you have a shot with the ladder. Like um, that's, that's the best I can tell you, but don't be delusional. Um, For sure. I was the and same way when I was 20 though. I, so it's like, it's easy to preach to preach it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and um, for sure, like when I was chatting with the managing director at our place, he also hires a lot of people out of the accounting firms too. So it's not like a horrible place to go start, and then you can try and move over into the banking stuff. It seems. And um, one of the one of the guys in my first week who came from um, KPMG initially, and then moved into this, impressed a client so much that he is now their CFO. Just starting this week, so he got poached. So you never know what you can get out of the little, little places. That's amazing. Love that story. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Patrick. Nice thank to meet you. you. Yep. This is like my little soapbox every week. It's great. <laughs> I get to rant, rant and rave to all of you, even if you don't want to hear it. 
Um, Emmett, did you have another question or your hand was raised or is that the old one? Uh, I, I do have another question, maybe two, I'll, but I'll try to keep them as quick as possible for anybody else who has any. Sure. But, um, one was um, for the writing that we're going to be doing um, for the articles, is it okay if we put in maybe time sensitive content? So for example, if we're explaining M&A, um, could we write something like in 2021, there was 5.8 trillion worth of deals? Or would you want it to be, you know? It's a great question. Yeah, it's tough. I, I prefer to be a little more evergreen. Um, but if you give something that's like, instead of 2021 only, but you want like 2021 and you went back and like showed a history of it, I think it'd be a little more interesting. Like in terms of transaction volume. Is that what you're talking about? Like transaction volume over time or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Or you can give like example deal. Yeah, you can give example deals of like in 2021, 2022, this happened. I think that's fine. Um, usually I would say no, because I'd like it to be a little more evergreen, but I think we're going to end up having to go through back through these articles and updating them anyways. Um, so yeah, I okay, think, so I I think that's fine. If it, yeah, um, make it evergreen if you can, but if there's if it's really nice for like examples, and you want to put the year, I wouldn't use like the year as like an H2, like as a whole category. Um, but if you want to have like example, uh, hostile takeover, m &A, whatever, you know what I mean? Like um, you could use the Twitter Elon example, for example, you know what I mean? Like it's a kind of an interesting deal. Um, absolutely, you can use those as examples and it doesn't matter what year it's from so much as like if you're highlighting a specific type of m and Okay. Okay. Perfect. Thanks for that. Uh, and the next one was, you were talking about networking earlier. Um, I'm based out of Ireland and my kind of target region is London. Um, but you know, if I want to go for coffee chats, it's obviously not very economical to go for flights every time you get an invitation. Um, so how would you approach cross-border networking? Um, and then my kind of follow-on question for that is, um, you know, what kind of topics should you be talking about with these people? Because obviously, you know, if you just keep asking about the, cult, the culture of one, you know, they probably get that a lot, a lot. So they're just get a bit bored of it. It might be worth their time, but at the same time, you can't really ask them what deals you're working on because that's confidential. Um, so what are the best topics that you can uh, bring up with them that, you know, make it stimulating, make it interesting for them, and also, you know, show them that, wow, you're interested, you know what you're talking about, and you're worth, you know, um, keeping in the loop about opportunities. Yeah, I think this is a life skill that takes time to master, but as you do more and more of these, you'll get better and better at reading the person. So what I mean by that, so let's let's address the cross-border stuff first, um, or just the long-distance stuff. So like this is the same issue that people in, in you know, Arizona deal with trying to recruit into New York, right? It's the same issue. You know, you gotta, you're, you have to get on a flight. To, to really get a coffee chat going. So the good news is Zoom is a little more acceptable nowadays. You can do, hey, do you mind doing a quick five minute or you know, 10 minute, 15 minute Zoom chat just to, um, to meet and greet? You could always do that. Um, the other thing is if you're a little bit further along or you're like, you have a tar you have more set target of like group, group of firms, let's say there's like 15 or 20 firms, you're like, okay, this is probably where I'm at. These are the firms that are probably the best shot for me. Um, you could network with those people and then say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in London from these uh, over these four days. Is there any time you'd be able to grab coffee? Um, and you could say that, you know, once you built up a large enough um, pool of contacts in London, let's say you have 200 to 300 contacts, 
right? Um, in London specifically, you could go through that entire list and a month, uh, let's say you could book a ticket that's relatively inexpensive, say a month or six, six to eight weeks out. You could say, I'm going to be, um, and then, you know, a couple months out, you could say, hey, I'm going to be in, in London from this date to this date. Um, I'd love to catch, uh, catch coffee if you're in town, da, da, da. You send that to them out of those several hundred, you'll probably get like 40 ish response back saying like, yeah, 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 sure. And out of that, you'll probably get, um, the week before you just remind all those people like, Hey, I'm going to be in town. How about we do this time at this day with this work? And you start trying to fill up your calendar, um, for two or three days, you actually go into London, you go meet with say 15, 20 people. Um, cause it's, it's, it is powerful and is worth it. If you can, if you can afford the, the flight, I don't think it's too expensive from Ireland. Right. It's, uh, no, it's okay. It's maybe, you know, if you guess, you know, one of the earliest ones, maybe the spirit, the, it spirit might be the budget, the budget airlines is spirit or one of those other budget airlines flight. You could, uh, you could Ryanair. Uh, yeah. Ryanair. The there you go. Uh, you could do this, like the standing seats and stuff. <laughs> I like tried to do that a few years ago and the government were like absolutely not. Yeah. So I think um if you can spare spare the time. Are you are you still in you're still in school in uni? Uh yeah, just about to yeah, so you're, year. Yeah, you're a couple of years. Yeah. Great time to go. Maybe this summer you could go. Um yeah, I'm due to go over um in May anyway. So um maybe I could try and you know do some networking now, some express networking. Yeah, I would I would try to scale it up right now, get let people know when you're gonna be in town and see if they're willing to meet you. Cause even if it's only five, um, even if it's only five people, it's still nice to get that face-to-face -face, uh, meetup and that could turn into the one that helps you get the job. I mean, I am scheduled to meet one or two, but maybe I can try and push that a bit more. Yeah, maybe try to get it up. Push five, six, seven, yeah. at least. Yeah, try to push it up because it's really it's really helpful. It's really helpful to have those uh, those face to faces. Even if, and then and then your second question was more about specifically like, what do you talk about? So, um, well, if the guy is uh, from Ireland as well, you can talk about where you're from in Ireland. You can talk about specific uh, sports clubs you like. If you're a soccer fan, um, you can talk about uh, if they're into. I mean, I'm looking at your your LinkedIn. If they're into whatever XYZ club or group or hobby, because you've done research on that or you know that, that's great. That's a great uh, icebreaker. If not, um, doing research about their firm is, is always good. And you can ask more generic questions. You don't say, what deals are you on? But you can say, um, what, how, are the, how are the groups structured in terms of um, how are deals staffed, for example? It's a good question. Um, basically, is it you know one analyst, two analysts, an associate and a VP, or is it you know, just one, one, just sometimes they're not associate there. I'd love to hear more about like what the day-to-day is like. And so that's good because it shows you showing a little bit in terms of you understand that deals are staff, you understand, you know, buy side, are you doing more buy side, sell side work? Um, are you doing restructuring work? What is that like? Is it debtor or creditor side? So like uh, little, little subtle questions and the nuances of the types of work the bank is doing still can show without knowing the exact deals they're doing can still show a lot of knowledge. Um, and that you've done your research. So, um, and it doesn't have to be all like that. I'd try to, you know, you could even reference stuff in pop, you know, if, if the person's like, seems like they don't want to talk about this and they're just like rolling their eyes bored out of their mind, you could ask something outside of finance or, you know, it's something that's in the public conscience, something that's, uh, you know, uh, big news. 
in the whether it doesn't have to be big news just in the Financial Times or Wall Street Journal, it could be some big news uh, globally. So, um, you know, you could talk about that. You could talk about, you know, some things that personally have, you know, you've been going through uh, or what they're going through and just ask about, you know, life in, Lo life in London. What is it like to really live here and stuff like that? I think that's a little more interesting and exciting for them to talk about rather than just be like, tell me about the culture of your bank. Like a generic question like that is usually going to fall flat and not, not be well-received. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. I would definitely try to up that, by the way. Try to get to 10 people if you can, if you're going to be there for, are you two, two days or five days or seven? Um, I haven't booked it. I could probably push it. You know, I, th I was thinking of maybe two, but I can push that if I, you know, if the dates and the. Yeah. People start saying, yeah, well, we'll meet, we'll meet and <laughs> try to get to three or four days and just meet as many people as you can. It'd be good. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Anyway, thank you very much. Good luck. Yeah. Um, I can take one more question. So let's see who's been waiting. Uh, Manas, you want to go ahead? Hi, Patrick. Manas here. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm from India, actually. Cool. And uh, today is actually my first day uh, in the internship. Welcome. So, yeah. So I took uh, the topic uh, today. First topic is buyout. And uh, like I was searching through all the three, 4,000 topics, which one should I took? And I went for buyout. So I just wanted to ask, like for the further topics, uh, should I go for a topic like, which is more popular? Like maybe, uh, suppose uh, I have a topic mutual fund and another topic that is suppose the lobster effect, the lobster trap. And so one is very popular and the other one is interesting to me. What do you mean by pop? What do you mean by popular? By popular, I mean like it's you know it's commonly searched on the web. Oh, okay, it's like it's a it's probably a high high volume keyword. You're saying, yeah, yeah. So you said the first one you did is buyout. Buyout, yeah. Like a leverage buyout. Just buyout. Buyout. Okay, I didn't even know that was a term. Under what? Uh, okay, so yeah, go ahead. So I mean, the answer really is whatever you want, Manas. So like. I would, I would not focus on like what's popular. I would focus on what's most interesting to you. And I would focus on grabbing keywords from a variety of different topics. Some a little bit more technical, some a little bit more like macroeconomic oriented, because it'll make your, when you list those terms on your CV, it'll probably make it look a little more well-rounded. It'll, it'll make it a little more interesting too. It won't be like just accounting terms <laughs> or just financial modeling or just macro. It'll be like a blend of, of all of it. And you know, it'll, it'll make you look probably more well-rounded. Thanks. That it? Okay. Well, everybody, thanks so much for joining this week. I appreciate all of you. Um, I'll be here again next week with Nabil. And so hopefully I'll keep my voice. <laughs> but uh, other than that, thanks again. Um, if there's any questions, I'll post this to the group for everybody um, by next week. And yeah, thanks again. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk soon. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.